here we are at last we start off today's podcast with some apologies first up the noise i mean we're often apologizing for the background noise whether it be um, emergency sirens motorbikes we've had the window open hoovers hoovers yeah today we have this rather ominous background drone yeah and it feels like it's right underneath your office. I think it's the heating. I'm, I've, I've decided that we haven't had this sound for quite a while. And that's when the weather's been warmer, but it's actually quite chilly today. I've decided it's the heating. Who knows? Okay. So we haven't said welcome. No, we're Hello. just off on a rant, aren't we? Yeah, ranting straight away. Hello and welcome to Big Business Briefs with me, Tracy Jones. And me, Heather Noble. And the other apology is we're sorry we haven't been around for over a week. I don't know um, what's happened to us just recently, but holidays and then... Re- Covid. Oh, Covid got in the way a bit, didn't it, as well? Um, yeah. Just life, generally. Life, yes. which I think is true for all sorts of people but we're back in the saddle and we're um, raring to go and to be honest we've had two attempts at recording this in fact i think this might be our third attempt at recording this yeah we we were going to go for last thursday saturday when i was on holiday yeah then saturday so what can you do when you've got no broadband no and then then when when you've got toothache can't do recording then no and now well we're not going to stop just because of a drone we're we're cracking on yeah we're we're here so discussion point for this week is financial well-being it's a big subject area for me and my work at the moment last year and the year before the big focus was on mental health well-being and that's sort of in place now it's ongoing we've got a program in place and it seems that a lot of companies have also caught up with um, the, the need for mental health and, and well-being. Um, and now it seems that the tide is very much turning towards this financial well-being. Is it something you've been aware of, Heather? Well, it's something that, um, because I teach a train in first aid for mental health, very often finances a cause of stress, or a yeah. cause of stress. Yeah. Um, and so it's sort of been on my radar as part yeah. of that. But there's a real concerted effort now, not least from the government, yeah. to, to put this on the map because they're identifying how... So um, the Money and Pension Service, which was why we were talking about this, because you came across a report that they published, 4.2 million worker days are lost every year in absence because of lack of financial well-being. Uh, that's £626 million in lost output. And nearly seven in 10 UK employers believe staff performance is negatively affected when employees are under financial pressure. Now, unfortunately, that's true. It's not only people who are on minimum wage. No. Because, as we all know, we cut our cloth, we cut our coat often according to our cloth. So there are people who are seemingly on very good salaries, but but because of that, yeah. they still may have financial worries or divorce or... All sorts of things, debt. Yeah, and and there's also, as with anything else, um, just because it doesn't stress you out, it might really stress somebody else out. So somebody might be quite happy with um, a significant amount of credit card debt, yet that might cause an enormous amount of anxiety for somebody else. So you can't really judge based on your own opinions, can you? No, not at all. And I think also, you know, it's that whole, um, when somebody says, I've got no money, 
Or does that mean because, you know, I've dipped below, you know, £30,000 in the bank? Or is it because I literally am scratching around with coppers in my purse and I've got kids yeah. that I need to feed? It's a bit like when people say, if somebody's feeling depressed, and we, we as a society, learning that the response of what have you got to be depressed about is not uh, appropriate, no, is it? No, no. And it's the same with finances as well. Yeah. You, you shouldn't be judging somebody and say, well, you've you earned loads or you've got loads of money or whatever. Yeah. You've got a big house, a big car. That doesn't mean that they are feeling well financially. No. There is a really good definition. I don't know if you saw it on um, the Money and Pension Service website. Uh, if you want to take a look, it's moneyandpensionservice.org.uk. And they've got a definition of financial well-being on there. And they say the Money and Pension Service, or MAPS for short, say that financial well-being is about feeling secure and in control of your finances, both now and in the future. It's knowing that you can pay the bills today, can deal with the unexpected, or are on track for a healthy financial future. Yeah, so it's not only about how much money you've got today, it's your perception of the future, how long am I going to live for, what what things might come around the corner? Might I lose my job? What if I become ill? What about also, my pension? What about my pension? Yeah, yeah. all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I first came across the Money and Pension Service because uh, it's quite a convoluted route, but um, we'd had uh, some interest at work in um, starting a payroll savings scheme. So I, um, I hooked up with the local credit union. And in Wales, there is um, something, um, sort of money advice, um, and all I think it's ten credit unions in Wales have clubbed together um, to do, to do um, a sort of payroll saving scheme website yeah. okay. and trying to attract people into that. Um, and then they signposted me to the Money and Pension Service, and I spoke to the Welsh version of that, and they're just full of resources for employers mm. and for individuals. So you can go there as an individual, but as an employer who was going, look, I want to introduce payroll saving scheme, and then they go oh, we've got this tool, this tool, this tool. And the number of resources, it was a wealth of resources. And I would say a, a, a big um, thank you to Rian from um, Money and Pension Servicing in Wales. Uh, she's actually running a, a course for us. We, we've got a training day coming up and I've got a specific slot set aside for financial well-being. And it's in the safety training day. So my, my workplace recognised that well-being is an important part of safety training. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the Money and Pension Service are, are helping me to, to run this workshop for a whole day. We're, we're going to record it in advance with questions in advance. And they're going to provide this resource for us with loads of um, signposting and, and um, the information that we can pass on. The important thing to point out, um, um, which is one of my colleagues was worried about, was... You can't give advice for finance. No, of course. It's, it's, it's obviously it's regulated. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but there's a, there is a distinction between giving advice and signposting. And I think the, the tide has turned for um, companies. Previously, you don't give advice and you don't talk about finances. Nobody talks about finances. I think it's the last taboo in the workplace, yeah. isn't it, really? You don't, yeah. oh, don't talk about money. But now uh, the expectation is that employers are going to provide support not advice, but they're, they're going to provide guidance Educa and education, education. Yeah. Yeah. and essentially it's been a real focus, like you say, from the government, where money, money and pension service is funded by the government, 
um, and it's there to give pension guidance, debt advice, money guidance, consumer protection and strategy. So as an employer, you just need to be signposted and pulling in some of the tools from that free service. And they, they've got some amazing tools. I, I've got to say, I was really impressed with the quality and quantity of, of the resources. I think you hit on nothing when you talk about the taboo, you know, that people don't like to talk about their finances because we live in a society where people's success is measured by financial success. Yeah. Therefore, if you haven't got any money, that implies that you're unsuccessful slash a failure. And of course, we could talk about, you know, the political side of all of that from, you know, from, from way yeah, back Don't get when. me started. No, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but, um, but one thing that I think is particularly interesting, so locally, we've got something called the Three Parishes Big Local, which is um, um, an initiative, um, a funded initiative, a million pounds over 10 years for um, dep- deprived, depressed areas. And one of the things that they've done is a school savings scheme. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was at school, you used to bring money in on a Friday to start your little savings that would go into your building society account. And you'd start to be learning about money from a very young age. Mm. And then that all kind of disappeared. And, um, and you know, people just... It's assume that money just comes out of the wall, you know? You know, you just put in a bit of plastic. Well, true, you, you don't get the piggy banks. You used to get, was it Nat West used to do oh, the piggy yeah, banks? All, yeah. yeah, all sorts of... So so there's that. But then another thing that, 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 um, that the charity, the organisation, the partnership does, is it's partnered with um, Citizens Advice. And they have started a thing uh, called My Money Matters where they've helped people to identify where there is financial support that they might not know about because the government isn't very good at going, do you know what? I mean, we hear about universal credit nowadays, right? Do you know what? Here's a, here's some money that you might be entitled to. And often the people who are lowest paid slash lowest educated slash don't have English as a first language, all of those types of things, um, are going to find it harder to to find that information. Yeah, if you've got an advisor to help you to avoid tax. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what you're talking about with um, educating the workforce is saying that Did you, you don't know? know what you don't know, yeah. do you? And I think that's really important. I've just remembered the name of that organisation I was searching around for, the 10 Credit Unions. It's Money Works Wales. Okay, all yeah. right. And, and there's lots of resources there which tie into this money and pension service um, financial well-being. Um, also on the, the MAPS website, they talk about ways to improve financial well-being. Mm-hmm. And what they say is receiving meaningful financial education, yeah. saving regularly, mm-hmm. using credit for everyday essentials, accessing debt advice, and planning for and in later life. And what I would say is on the debt advice, there's there's no end of debt advice on the internet. You know, you go and search and there's loads of paid ads that pop up there. Yeah. But who can you trust? Yes. So I, I think, you know, anybody who's thinking of accessing debt advice, make sure you know who you're dealing with. Because that if you're using yeah. a company that's making its money from providing debt advice, yeah. maybe want to rethink and go somewhere that's funded and, and is freely available to you instead. Yeah, I mean, there, and I think that... that leads on to my husband works for an organization called financial wellness group and they um, provide debt management plans and because if, if you have got significant debt um, there are lots of different ways to deal with that we all know about bankruptcy but there are other things that you can do um, 
but they're a commercial operation. However, there's an organisation called Step Change, yes, I've heard of which them. is a charity, and they um, offer guidance and support. Um, so when it comes to trust, um, and I'm not saying you can't trust Financial Wellness Group, of course I'm no. not saying that, <laughs> but it's you know it's about different places and and some of us feel more comfortable taking information from one place than another so there are lots of different options yeah uh, but the big thing at the moment is that the government and i'm sure you will have seen this the government is investing heavily in um something that's called the debt respite scheme but is more commonly known as breathing space because we we hear these stories and this is a type of thing that will impact on people at work is that they've got, you know, the old day bailiffs, you know, breathing down their necks. Um, people are sending them horrible letters. They're going to get cut off this. They're going to get cut off that. They're not going to be able to feed their kids. The car's going to be taken away from them. All of those types of things. Getting booted out of their, um, their flat, their house. But this breathing space scheme is where you literally get that. Um, that uh, people can't pursue you. Yeah. You're ring fence, so you've got six months breathing space where you can work with organisations under this debt respite scheme to find out um, what options are available to you. They might negotiate on your behalf and there are ways that you can get part of your debt written off, all of those types mm. of things. Breathing space is a good word, a good phrase. For totally, it, yeah. totally. And, and so we that's widespread for domestic people, but it actually applies for sole trader businesses who are not registered for VAT. So you can include business debts in the debt respite scheme, uh, which could include business rates, tax debts, overdrafts and credit card debts. Um, you can't get breathing space for business debts if you run a partnership with someone else or operate a limited company. Mm -hmm. But if you are a sole trader, and I think this is a really um, important thing, given that so many sole traders... Um, were struggling to get any funding or, or support during the the pandemic. And so they may now be, they might have been literally running on empty and might have been bo borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. Okay. So how do they access Brilliant Space? So, um, so essentially, if you, um, if you Google the debt respite scheme or breathing space, you will find the government... Um, site and um, you would expect me to have it here wouldn't you but I haven't you seem to have a lot of stuff there but yeah yeah <laughs> not that one not that one link no but um, but if you go to step change uh, which is stepchange.org um, they've got a whole load of information there and that's where I, I was thinking okay but what about if you're a business yes this is great in terms of the mm. staff but what if you're a business and that's where I found out that you can apply it to your business debts if you're a sole trader okay that's really good to know as well although um we're, we're talking about um employee yeah. um financial well-being here actually there is big benefit to the employees just in the same way as there is for looking after their physical and their mental yes. health as well yeah in 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 that if you um suffering from financial stress and your productivity is going to fall. Your yep. concentration is going to fall. Maybe your attendance is going to fall as well. Yep. Um, and the people with um, financial well-being are more likely to engage in the workplace. Yeah. Yep. 
And, yeah. and I think there was a report, um, the reference on the MAPS website, in 2018, 11% of workers reported that they had experienced a fall in productivity at some point over the last three years as a result of their financial situation. And bear in mind that very few people would admit that or even recognise that it was financial stress that had caused it or that it had yeah. had that impact on their productivity yeah. and let's not forget going back to the mental well-being financial well-being unfortunately a lot there are some statistics that very often people if they're feeling depressed spend more money whether that's going out on a shopping spree to make them to give themselves some instant gratification which they then regret get into self-loathing or whether they spend money in the pub self-medicating because they're struggling yeah. so i think that's important <laughs> sorry no, tummy now? all those noises my tummy's now making some really weird noises oh let just joining in with all yeah. the background why noise not? Yeah. why not uh, but one thing we were talking earlier about you know low pay people it's not only about low pay people people um uh, there was a report carried out um uh, in 2018-19 and the two em- they reported that the two employee groups found to have the most money worries were those earning 10 to 14,000 and those earning more than 100,000 wow okay and that you know we, so that's two extremes two isn't extremes, it yeah. yeah yeah because you know once you're earning 100,000 you could be forgiven for thinking that you know you you're doing really well you're on fire and maybe then you keep you take your eye off the pennies um but the People earning ten to fourteen thousand are probably going to be living in rented accommodation. Um, are probably going to be younger, may have children. You know, it's all of it's all of those different things, those variables. It's yeah. about understanding where your staff are at and helping them to recognise that this is a thing. And I think it's essentially, uh, obviously, apart from. Um, the respite and the yeah. breathing space whereas if you are a sole trader and you need that then brilliant resource yeah but what i'd like um for for us to take on board is the fact that financial well-being is now something that is expected that um, employers take some notice of that they yeah. actually factor in some of this education yeah. make provision for payroll savings yeah. give um, guidance and signposting not advice but signpost them to advice because now the expectation is that the employers will facilitate that so I think and that's going to occupy um, the, the world of work for the next few years and I, and I think the the one other thing on that is that you have you have employees who are always struggling with their finances. Of course, it's not always practical to just give them more money. That's but, not but ultimately as well. Some of those problems won't be resolved just by giving them a pay no, rise. No, no. Yeah. But investing, even if you in, could afford to, yeah. yeah. But investing in educating them so that they can help themselves is a benefit and 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 um, good working practice that they will value and appreciate. Yeah. More don't you find there's a fine line as well um, so I think sometimes in mainstream media and sometimes politicians the assumption is that if you're poor it's because you're budgeting badly or you're yes. bad with money yes. and sometimes it's just because you haven't got enough money yeah. to do what you need to do you might be able to budget for all the world so don't think as an employer you need to teach all of your staff how to do a budget or how to economise, because it, it that might not be the yeah. issue. It might be that their outgoings are greater than their income, yeah. and no amount of budgeting is going to help with that. that. There will be some people who aren't good at that, and some people who aren't making the most of some of the other things that are available to them. I think that's the key, 
It's the stuff that's out there to help people who may be too proud to access it, might not know it exists, yeah. might yeah, might perceive it as a failure. It's not about having handouts. It's about making your money work as smart as you possibly can make it. Yeah. Whatever, however much that. And is. if you if you get the sense that you're no good with money, you might just ignore that. Mm. You know, if you've always you know you've always been told that because you're you've got no money that you that means you're crap at money or if you weren't good at maths at school mm-hmm. that whole assumption that you just put your head in the sand and pretend it's not happening and and i think this is where you know with gentle guidance and education yeah. employees can really make a difference yeah. but don't don't be patronizing no 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 not at all no but I, but i yeah i think the breathing space thing that is that is an absolute commitment, and I can't remember how much money the government is investing. I'm going to just see if I can uh, find it. I might just quickly Google it. Uh, Sorry, right, Heather, I'll edit this bit out. <laughs> Tippity tappity on the on the laptop, or maybe I'll leave it in. <laughs> So that our listener out there can understand what how our minds work. If you go to gov.uk, um, it's not telling me how much. It's a shed load of money, all right? It's a shed load of money. So the resources <laughs> are there. Yeah. The will is there yeah. to provide that assistance. Yeah. But I'd never heard of it before. So it's not really been publicised terribly well, has it? Well, no, but interestingly, we were at some friends this weekend, and I, I love this, when I find out about something, and then my husband starts talking about it, and I go, oh, I know all about that. Yeah, it's otherwise known as breathing space. <laughs> so that makes me feel like oh, I know excellent. a bit more than him. You, you hurt my arm then when oh, you did Oh, sorry, that, was that you? You, you haven't had a booster, have you? No, no. Oh, so you just poked me really hard. I got excited. <laughs> Right. Okay, I think we've done that. To yeah, death. we've done we've done financial well being sorted. Um so review time. Oh, yes. We've got a book. You've got a hard copy I book. Know. With lots oh, of post-its. Yeah, loads of post-its. So lots it's a good sign, isn't it? You found this book. I did. Um it's on Kindle Unlimited as well. So if you don't want to actually purchase it and you've got Kindle Unlimited, then you can get it. I did have a panic actually. Um because as I was doing a little bit more research, the book that I'd recommended was called She Thinks Like a Boss, Subtitle Leadership. And then as I was just Googling the author, um, Gemma Rodell, um, I found out that she'd written a few books called She Thinks Like a Boss. And I thought, I wonder if Heather's got the same Uh, She Thinks Like a Boss. uh, (laughs) But I'm relieved to see that your book has got a pink cover as well. And we have read the same book. And I take it from the post-it notes that you found a few things of note in there. I love it. I love it. Uh, I don't know who she is, um, but it, it absolutely, I think I think it's cracking. The subtitle is How to Influence Teams Effectively and Combat Imposter Syndrome. Um, nine Essential Skills for New Female Leaders in Business and the Workplace. Yeah. Now, you know, yes, we are women of a certain age, um, and but just because this is called She Thinks Like a Boss, doesn't mean that none of this is relevant to men no i think it's just um a not alpha male way of being a boss which men could equally aspire to yeah and the other thing that she puts in it is she draws comparisons between the way that men think and the way that women think which 
to be honest, guys, might be useful for you to know, just in the same way that <laughs> just... it's useful for us to know how you think. Yes, yeah, so, good point. <laughs> <laughs> so you could probably rewrite this book for men, put a blue cover on it. You could just say, this is how she thinks like a yes. boss. <laughs> Read it, understand <laughs> it. Um, yeah. So I, I also found it useful. There was a, a couple of references in the book to the website, she thinks like a boss, yes. dot com, And there were a couple of resources on there that are worth taking a look at. First one of which was, what kind of leader are you quiz? Love a quiz. Did oh, you do that? Oh, no, I didn't do that. Oh, quiz. you need to do no. that, Heather. I, I should have sent you a message to say, so do this, do I want quiz. to see what you are. Oh, right. Because okay. I can tell you now, I'm a transformative leader. Oh, no, it's <laughs> Yeah, so um, it's interesting uh, because uh, my boss described um, me to um, some visitors recently in a positive light, I would say, but he, he referenced change and managing change. And I hadn't, hadn't actually taken that on board as that was what, you were what doing. I was doing. But now I've done this quiz, I know that is what I'm doing. Um, so it says, if your team's going through a period of change, you're preparing for future shifts in the business. And I went, when I read that, I thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> and you push people beyond their comfort zones. I do think, like to think I do that in a nice way. Yeah, to encourage them, yeah. Um, yeah. And they can inspire hope in others and can walk with them side by side through uncertainty and times of upheaval. Um, can keep teams grounded, steering the overall corporate ship. Um, and if there's anyone needs assistance and guidance and even encouragement, ultimately their strongest asset is an inspiring achievement to achieve something wild, wildly beyond what everyone could have done individually. So I'd, I'd go for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So at that, at that point I thought, yeah, I like this book. <laughs> Can I tell you one of the things I really like about this book? She puts a load of quotes in there. Yes, lots of quotes. Yeah, lots of quotes. It's structured um, in a way that's easy to understand. So she's got a chapter, Leadership versus Management and Common Leadership Challenges. She's got a quote from Stephen R. Covey. Management is efficiency in climbing the ladder of success. Leadership determines whether the ladder is leaning against the right wall. Yeah. And then in each I've chapter... I've always loved that. Yeah. There's good imagery for that. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's fantastic. And one other, um, we talked about imposter syndrome um, uh, we've talked about it quite a lot but the other day I was listening to a, a podcast that we'd done about Michelle Obama when we oh, were yeah. reviewing her book Becoming Michelle Obama yeah. and I was listening to that in the car um, and then lo and behold and I, and I was reminded of how impressed we were with so many things about her as a woman and here is a quote from her regarding imposter syndrome um, I still have a little imposter syndrome it doesn't go away that feeling that you shouldn't take me that seriously what do I know I share that with you because we all have doubts in our abilities about our power and what that power is and and it just fits beautifully into some of the things um, around imposter syndrome not least a Harvest Business Review article titled Stop telling women they have imposter syndrome. <laughs> that that is so important. I've highlighted that one as well. It's like it's it's putting the blame on the woman, yeah, rather than saying <clears throat> let's change society so that they don't feel like imposters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I, I I just thought was genius. Um, that and and you know she talks about that. Um, and 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 we know that you know it's not. It's not something that men don't experience, but it can be one of the big things that prevent women from um, 
from being the best that they possibly can or yeah. being confident in or have the courage of their convictions perhaps yeah when because there's a little bit of yeah what do you know young girl um mm. when in actual fact guys don't experience that to the same extent yeah i've highlighted loads of things um i, I didn't have post-it notes so i used the kindle app to do it but a few of the things you've mentioned i'd highlighted and and i just think it there's a few things in there if you're um, thinking of working with a team as well you know so if you're doing some team development there's so many pointers in here where you're thinking actually how am I going to bring my team on I need to focus on this 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 and this even you know if you're feeling quite comfortable as a leader there is still a job on you to actually develop your team yeah. as well and yeah. you know it's all about continually learning you know what what skills do they need how can you make sure you execute your strategy there's all those sorts of pointers which so often get ignored yeah and again ex building exactly on that one of the chapters is about building self-confidence in you and your team and there are various things that um that she talks about but the one that I highlighted um, was um, send a failure post-mortem at Etsy people are encouraged to document their mistakes and how the mistakes happened in public emails a post-mortem means post-death and it's a practice that used at Etsy if something goes wrong the entire team has a post-mortem and tries to find out what went wrong and make it better not to blame. The company's found that this practice encourages innovation and risk taking because people don't feel afraid to make a mistake. Yeah. And that's that classic, you know, if you always play safe, you're never going to grow, you're never going to develop, you're never going to have original thought because you're just going to go, yeah, let's just keep doing it that way. And this whole blame culture that, you know, we know is not helpful, but actually to consciously say to people, uh, in health and safety it's accepted you know near misses yeah you know we, we want you to declare near misses because we want to know what almost happens yeah <laughs> so and you we... have to make that okay in the workplace yes. don't you so yeah you know so there is no blame attached to it no. you don't point fingers it is a way of improving yeah and continuous totally. improvement totally. what i would say about the book it's she's not presenting some new radical science yeah. here what she's done is she's gathered information about what makes female executives successful yeah and what are those common traits? So literally, she says that on page three. That's how I've highlighted. What yeah. makes female success executives successful? And are these traits common to all of them? And I, I think by doing that, she's she's pulled together some real key ideas. But it takes a little bit more than just pulling the ideas together. She, she does... Um, talk it through and she presents it really nicely yeah she's done a lot of research yeah. and read a lot of stuff so that we don't have to and she's given us summarized it yeah us, she yeah. summarized it one bit uh, that i i uh, highlighted again is uh, around communication which is you know as you know my thing um and a guy called uh, a woman called lois frankel author of nice women don't get the corner office says there are common things that women do through communication that undermine their influence and authority. And there's, a, there's a whole list. But things like um, um, qualifying their opinions to lessen their authority. Uh, so this is just what I think, that kind of mm. thing. Um, ending a sentence on an upward inflection or pitch which can so show signs of doubt. Forming a sentence as a question rather than a statement. You know, all of these slight subtle things not being concise 
and the the one that I love taking up too little space. Yeah, and I read that it said that often women will sit around the edge of the room. Yeah. Whereas actually you need to get yourself at yeah. the table. Yeah. That's so yeah. true. Yeah, totally. So I think there are I, I love it. I think it, I think it's well constructed. I think it's really, really interesting, easy to read. Some great examples for those who want to go and read more stuff. They can go and read more stuff. Um, do the quiz. Find, find out what type quiz. of leader you are. My, if there's one criticism, no diagrams. No diagrams. But there's there's it's lots laid out nice. Space. There's lots of white space, yeah. so it's it's not really heavy on yeah. the eyes, is it? No. So it's lovely. Uh, she thinks like a boss. Subtitle: Leadership: Nine Essential Skills for New Female Leaders in Business and the Workplace by Gemma Rodell. We both like it. I think it's uh, well worth a read. Yeah. And if you've got Kindle Unlimited, why wouldn't you? It's free yeah. at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Speaking then. with women. Women all the way. <laughs> Sophie Trachel. Um, she used to be the CEO of Divine chocolate <coughs> excuse me that's a sneeze now all right full house <laughs> and uh, she left um divine chocolate um last year uh, but she's still actually um quite vocal about fair trade and the most recent article uh, articles i've read have been around about um, last month this year so um she was in a podcast with cafe direct mm. did you find that yes i did yes i like all of their podcasts and i've yeah. bookmarked it because i want to listen to and maybe we'll add them to people to review yes yeah, a good resource <clears throat> yeah, yeah yeah it's very good so if you go to cafe direct.co.uk forward slash podcast and there is an interview um that one of their recent ones from october this year um it's called Building Better Business, if you're looking on Apple Podcast, mm -hmm. um, and you can subscribe to that. And she talks about um, her time working for um, Divine Chocolate, and actually a long time with Divine Chocolate. She joined right at the beginning, yeah. Yeah. and it's, it's quite an interesting story, and I, I really warmed to her as well. It was good hearing her voice in the podcast mm -hmm. as well. I, I was able to put a voice to um the name um and there wasn't a lot around about her as an individual but we'll come on to it later i don't know if you found um her questions and answers to a thousand londoners.com yes i did yeah yes. and that was yeah. the one where i went yes yeah. the, the actual, actual person. information about yeah, person. that's good we'll come on to that yeah. then in a bit what, one thing that um i'm not sure if it was in that um that cafe direct podcast or if it was something else that that i was watching um, but she comes from a family of um, fairly sort of radical activists. Activists, anti-apartheid yes. activists. Yeah, very so. much so. And um, and she talked, and it's part of the story that I absolutely loved. She said that she was once um, protesting uh, outside Sainsbury's about boycotting Sainsbury's because of the wine that they were purchasing from South Africa, and of course, um, you know. That's that's a bit of a protest, which saying not a Sainsbury's store, the Sainsbury's head office, and um, one of the the security people comes out. She's thinking, oh god, here we go. What what have we done? And they said, oh, would you like to come in because the wine buyer would like to speak to you to understand how you think we should be buying wine from South Africa? Oh, brilliant! And she said that was a moment when she went, yeah, that that's what we're trying to do. We're just we're trying to educate people and help people to find the best way to help 
the farmers, you know, the people on the ground. And I thought that was really... Um, That's a bit of a breakthrough moment. That, and that, yes, yeah. and she said it It was a game changer. You know, she, she recognises how significant that was, um, that they... Because, I mean, I, I've only ever pre- protested on one thing, and that was... Um, that was a recent big vote that happened in this country. Um, and so I was on a march in London. And I do remember saying to my husband at the time, they won't take any notice of this, will they? You know, three million people walking through the streets of London. And and I felt really sad about that. Mm. You know, the idea that a body of people like that, they're still gonna, it's not going to have yeah. any weight. And that's not a reason not to do it. But, you know, the idea of them actually being out the headquarters yeah. of Sainsbury's and them going, yeah. come on in, make friends with the enemy rather than um, stand against them. That's brilliant. I thought was excellent, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I was reading an article from March 2019 in uh, the website meettheleader.com and there I learned that she started out as a bookkeeper for a film distribution company called Metro Tartan and uh, she worked her way to the top and uh, apparently they their company was um, distributing foreign language films and it was up to her to find and grow the audience in the UK. Wow. And then she saw the job for MD of Divine Chocolate and applied. <laughs> I love it. This That's is quite a, bullish, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I'm, not, I'm doing this, but why not try for that? Yeah, and I think it was very new. Fair Trade Chocolate, um, we're talking 20 years ago now, aren't we? It was a very new thing. And what they had to do is to find an audience. So in the same as a foreign language film, they've got to root out the people who are interested yeah. in the purpose behind the chocolate. Yeah. Um, there was another article that I read later on which, which said that Divine Chocolate had changed their strategy from focusing on purpose to focusing on product Okay. recently but for a good length of um, time their focus was on what good um, purpose they were achieving with their product um, and so people she would root out the people to buy who would actively choose to buy their chocolate because they knew it would do good yes and that her job was then to communicate that's what they were doing yeah. And so she she's very much I mean she seems very passionate about fair trade about sustainability. Yeah. You know, she she she's still a campaigner yeah. for all of these things. And uh, I think I'd trust her as an activist on my march. Yeah, you? no, yeah. totally. One of the things that she talks about in the Real Business podcast is she talks about doing things with people versus doing things for people. And um uh, Divine Chocolate is co-owned by um, Ghanaian farmers who produce the cocoa, so it's all about you know empowering those people uh, on the ground. And um, and she talks about uh, you know empowering them and putting them in the picture and all of those different things. But one of the questions that he asked her, I don't know if you um, if you if you heard this bit, he asked her how it felt when Cadbury yeah. converted to fair trade. Yeah. And she admitted that it was a bit of smack in the teeth because Divine Chocolate was the fair trade chocolate company in this country, you know, and and a trail um, trailblazed, trailblazed, and you know, and set up and empowered, set up the infrastructure and educated people and brought them on board on the ground. The co-founders did all the hard work, and then Cadbury swoop in, and she said so. She was torn between it being a success. Because one of the largest chocolate... Yeah, they've changed the industry. Yes, yeah, which, so she was really proud of that, 
but there was a little bit of, you know, oh, gosh, okay. So she said it was a challenge and they had to really try to hold their own against Cadbury. But then she did then say, however, 10 years later, Cadbury moved away from Fairtrade and set up their own social programme. Um, and it's not independently verified. Yes, yeah, yeah. And she so, says, I think she used the terms. It's they're marking their own homework rather yeah. than. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it's it's jumping on the bandwagon. Yeah. and and then sort of driving it off a cliff, yes. really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Which I felt I felt sorry for. I I felt really pleased for the growers. Yeah, but then I felt really sorry for her and her team who'd done all that yeah. legwork. Um, one of the things that I, I thought was really interesting is um, how she, she mentioned that she, because she's working with these Ghanaian farmers, that she's spent over 20 years travelling to Ghana and doing business with these people. And I think that how um, you adapt culturally to different mm. um, societies, different countries, that's an amazing um, and difficult learning curve, I yeah. can imagine. She said that she's she's learned um, that they're polite and friendly and always willing to help, but they're not impressed by celebrity. Yeah, okay. And they hold education in high esteem. And she, she learned how land passes through generations um, and how Ghanaians might answer requests is what they think you want to hear rather than what is possible. So she says you, you have to learn to ask questions in different ways. I think that experience there of actually just really getting to the root, so rather than expecting them to do business in the way that you do yeah, business, yeah. is going there, doing business their way. I, I think that's amazing as well. That's a different approach. You know, the yeah. the big... and. and Cabries might not do this, but one could imagine the big Cabries, the Nestle's of this world, just go, this is how we do business, yeah. like to lump it. Well, she went in. It, uh, uh, do you remember when we talked about Ernesto Soroli and the hippopotamus yes. eating the plants? How can I forget? But So what she's saying is we went there and we found out how they operate. And then once we got them on side and they trusted us, then we helped to, to make tweaks to the point where they now have... Um, um, you know, women involved in the in the cooperatives. You know, whereas once upon a time they wouldn't be; they'd just be picking um, the the cocoa and, yeah. and doing the harvest. Actually, there's a the lot board. of knowledge that's really valuable yeah. there, isn't yeah. there? Rather yeah. than assuming that you know best. Yeah, totally. <laughs> what? Um, t- so, give us. You know, we, we've heard about the great work that she's done. Give us a bit on some of the things that she did. Uh, you know the bits in the Thousand Londoners. Um, oh yeah, list. right. So, uh, questions and answers here, and I think I, I didn't delve heavily into Thousand Londoners uh, website, did you? But I'm guessing they're all asked the same sort of things. Um, so, um, your ideal day out in London. I, I love the idea of some of these ones. So, a river boat trip um, uh, with a picnic in one of London's many beautiful parks, Hyde Park. Uh, Greenwich Park or Kew Gardens sounds good yeah, to me yeah. an ideal night out in London meeting up with friends and family seeing a concert film or play and having a drink at a pub yeah, I think in a, a, yeah, a day out that. with Sophie yeah, yeah. Um, the best view in London the view from Waterloo Bridge Big Ben Houses of Parliament and the Wheel Oxo Tower South Bank and St Paul's that is I love that mm. view as well that's really good uh, favourite open spaces 
South Bank Festival Hall to Tower Bridge, passing the BFI, the National Theatre, Oxo Tower, Tate Gallery, the Globe, Borough Market. You know what? I've got some lovely memories there. So we've got friends in London and um, a couple of times we've been down there just before Christmas and sort of walking over that bridge and then walking down towards Borough Market and back up. I can picture, as she was talking about that, I was like, oh, I've got all the feels. Yeah, you know exactly what she's talking about. (laughs) Yeah, I really do. What about you? Did you pick out anything from that? Um, No, well, I I mean, I I sort of, I I read through them, but I was much more interested in the fact that um, she, she's really difficult to find anything about, out about as a person. This is is really telling. Yes. There's loads of questions. Yeah, and they're they're like, you know, they're lovely. What I would really, really like to know is what she's doing on a daily basis now. Because yeah. she's involved so, with various things. So is there somebody things. else you're going to stalk? Well, <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. She's a third um, connection on um, yes. on LinkedIn. Isn't everybody in the world a third connection yeah, on LinkedIn? I, 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 well, I took heart in that. Um, <laughs> and and, and she, she calls herself a social entrepreneur curious about doing business differently. And I imagine she's probably got her head down working on some other project where she's going to um she's going to make a change yeah so really yeah a really good spot i can't remember how we found her or why we found her but i really enjoyed read reading up on the whole divine chocolate fair trade thing i thought it was it was brilliant yeah, and if you want to spend your day off with me, I'm also happy to have dim sum in Chinatown, shopping in Soho, uh, Carnaby Street, and uh, yeah, having tea and cakes at Maison Berto. So perfect day out, sorted. <laughs> I'm free whenever you are, Sophie. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, so it's just you and Sophie. Oh, sorry. Uh, I thought I thought it was an invitation for me that was looming, but no, that's okay. <laughs> I'm going on my own. <laughs>